KKFN HD1, Longmont, Denver. Head to denversports.com slash mentor to learn how you can become a mentor today. Be a mentor. Be a fan. Presented by Mountain High Appliance. Sports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Tim Internet. Reacting to today's practice, powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all electric and built Ford Top. Here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jones. That's right. It is the weekend. The Dan Jacobs Show out here live at the Denver Sports Zone. Powered by that, yeah, that beautiful F-150E. The Lightning, I was actually asking, oh, sorry, our boss, Roz Sharon's out here. And I, I noticed last weekend there's power in that truck, right? I said, is that actually powering our stuff out here? And he's like, yes. You know, because they've been saying for the last two weeks, powered by the Ford Lightning. Like, is it actually powering us? And they're like, yes, absolutely. It's powering our stuff. So that's uh, that's pretty phenomenal that that's uh, the technology. I got in there last weekend, and um, it was the air conditioning, nice and cool, you know, because it, it was a little hotter last weekend than it was um Today it's actually a nice, uh, nice day out there today. It's still a little, you know, toasty in the sun, but uh, they're having a good practice over there. We are live at the Denver Sports Zone, just across from the Centura Training Center, where the Broncos are having practice right now. So we'll have uh, live updates from that. We'll have the uh, press conferences as they come. Coach Sean Payton will address us live after practice to see how things went here on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Now, of course, the offense and Russell Wilson did a little bit better yesterday. So what I like to do is I like to get dialed in to denversports.com and to follow Rachel V. Hill and DMAC. They do great reports after practice, and I follow all of our personalities here on the fan because they're out there live. I've been out there live a couple times um, as well following practice. I'll give you my thoughts on that in just a minute um, to get the updates. And here's what we've heard so far. That it's been great that, like, Justin Simmons, for example, in for a banner year. Like, he's having a phenomenal camp. Patrick Sertan looks great. And actually, our pass rush, which I thought um, I've, I'm concerned about, right, because we don't have that big-name pass rusher. Now, Nick Benito, who James Merrillat has kind of put a target on his back, and we'll be talking to James here in about um, 15 minutes well, uh, James Merrillat, you know, Nick Benino's been somewhat of a target of James Merrillat's ire. Not personally. It's not a personal attack, but it goes along. James is, you know, he wants to say, I believe it was the Von Miller trade, for example. Well, he has to say that was a bad move. And to say that, he has to say, well, Nick Benino's no good, right? So, But so far in camp, Nick Benito looking pretty good in the pass rush. To the extent you can judge it here in camp, has looked pretty darn good. But on the, the inverse of that has been that the offensive line has not looked very good and that 
Russell Wilson up until yesterday had not looked very good. But so I, I dialed in to denversports.com and I'm on the, the Twitter machine, which is now the X machine. Is it the Xbox? It's not the Xbox. It's just Twitter with the, uh, the X logo. Um, but I'm watching that and I'm getting the recaps from practice. And they're saying, hey, we actually, we actually looked pretty good yesterday. Russell Wilson and the offense looked pretty darn good. So um, we'll be anxious to get those reports. Here's, here's the way I'm looking at it. Uh, because, you know, I was having a little fun with uh, DMAC. If you go to denversports.com, there's an article up there saying, well, we kind of listened to Sean Payton. And he says, that's no big whoop. That's actually a quote from the coach. No big whoop. That's... Russell Wilson has not had a sterling camp. And by the way, how far, I'm thinking about it, how far have expectations fallen for Russell Wilson? Because last year, of course, he's expected to be the savior. And he brought in those expectations on himself. He brought in all kind of the pomp and circumstance, so to speak. He brought in his entourage. He's driving that monster truck in, which I don't know. Does he still have it? Is he driving? I, I haven't seen it on the media. Maybe it just slipped by me. I'm assuming he still has it because he had it all year. I don't know if that's what he's driving into camp. Maybe we could, I don't know, could we race him for pink slips with our Ford Lightning? I don't know. Maybe that'd be a good, uh, it'd be dangerous. The judge in me says, no, that'd be a bad idea. But uh, I'll tell you what, I've been in that Ford, you know, the Lightning. Um, I, I put that up against anything. Um, and actually, the skinny on those uh the so I learned from my brother-in-law, who's a mechanic. Those these electric vehicles, the acceleration in those will beat any uh, gas-powered vehicle. So we we could take down Russ's uh, big monster, whatever that thing is, that truck. We could take him down with our Ford Lightning. Just so you know. But I don't know if he's driving that. But he came in with the entourage, saying, "I want to win three or four, or five, whatever he said. How many Super Bowls he wanted to win?" And we expected, essentially, we expected a Peyton Manning-like presence out of our quarterback and that evaporated i wouldn't say after week one because after week one we thought it was a little bit of an anomaly and then but quickly thereafter for me i gave him a longer leash than a lot of the people in the market did because i believed in him for a long time but eventually and and because one i didn't believe in the offensive line. So I wanted to give him, you know, a a little bit longer leash because I knew he was under fire from an inept last year offensive line. And so I was, I was reticent to say he's, he's not the same Russell Wilson because I knew one, um, he wasn't, he didn't have the weapons and I still evaluating the roster am not willing because I don't, I think the roster is substantially the same. Um, they invested in a couple of p- uh, other pieces on the offensive line. Um, but until I see it, I'm not convinced. But eventually, as the season wore on and I saw Russell making plays that were clearly Russell's the problem, not just, okay, the offensive line let him down on that play. No, Russell made either A, a bad throw, or B, a bad decision. Um, I said, this is not the same guy. So it's interesting as we come out here, and we've been out here every day at the uh, DenverSports.com zone, and you know, we've watched practices. I've been out here watching practices. Our entire staff is watching and covering practices, every single one of them. And it's just, it's just a dramatic difference. It's not a situation where, like it was with a Peyton Manning, where he was in command. Or even, 
even a Joe, even a Case Keenum or Joe Flacco, and don't laugh because I know in hindsight now we know those guys were gone. You know, they weren't competent quarterbacks. But in training camp, they had a command of the offense, and you knew they were the guy, right? And I got to be honest with you. Um, that's not what we're experiencing out here in camp comeback, training camp 2023. And right now, it just has a sense that Russell Wilson is like, okay, he's a guy out there kind of fighting for his job, which is remarkable given what we've invested in him, but what we experienced just a year ago, where it was like, all right, this is not Peyton Manning, but just below Peyton Manning. We got our savior. All the excitement, the day that we made the trade for him is what we were expecting when he came into camp. And the days that I've been out here, um, the, the first day that I came out here, which I think was the first day of camp that we were allowed to be out here, but it was essentially his third day of practice, he was not the best quarterback on the field. Uh, it was Ben DiNucci. And I think that's actually been fairly consistent listening to our reporting every day of the week is that the most days, actually, and it's not Jared Stidham either. Like, you'd think, well, Jared Stidham, you know, came for the Patriots or, you know, or was working with Josh McDaniels as well over with the Raiders. You would think, okay, well, if it's not Russell Wilson, you'd think Jared Stidham would be a clear number two. And it's funny because, you know, Ben DiNucci took a shot in OTAs from, and it was a, you know, a, a joking, you know, shot, but from, um, from Sean Payton for throwing a pick right in front of the owner, right? But I think it's actually so far in camp, Ben DiNucci, if not being the best quarterback, because listen, we know, look, he is a no danger of starting. There is no quarterback controversy. Russell Wilson will be the starting quarterback come day one, and um, he will be. They are going to find out what they have in Russell Wilson. So don't think I am suggesting anything other than that. But if you look at this just with, like I was looking at camp with not looking at, you know, because there are no you know names on the back of jerseys, jerseys in training camp. If you just looked at it and you didn't know who was who, the days that I've been here, Ben DiNucci has looked better. Now, the other day, the second day I came out here, actually Stidham, you know, had a nice day of camp. Russell Wilson did not. And up until yesterday, he has not looked all that good at all. So I was reading the article on denversports.com that DMAC put out that said, when should we start to worry? And I kind of jokingly said, because, you know, I was hosting the drive with DMAC, oh, about three weeks ago. Maybe it was a month ago. And he was giving me a hard time about my statement that let's not be overly Pollyannish. Let's be fair to the Broncos. Because despite other people that, may, that, are, that, are, that are saying, well, Sean Payton is coming in and that he may be good for a 7-8 win turnaround, I said, I don't think that's being fair to the team. I saying this is a process. Right, and I often give the analogy of the three little pigs. Right, how are we trying to do this? Are we going to be quick and we're going to build this thing with sticks and straws with a big bad wolf? And we all know who the big bad wolf is, right? He's Patrick Mahomes, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs, where they're just going to come in and blow this house down, right? And I don't think that's what the Broncos are doing, and I think that's reflected in the roster. They are trying to build this with a solid foundation. And right now, I think Sean Payton is not by himself in the the mild improvements that they've made to this roster, I don't think a coach alone 
is worth seven wins. And, okay, well, if they're going to get to 12 wins or 11 or 12 wins and be a serious playoff contender, and that's what it's going to take in this stacked, loaded AFC, that's what it's going to take to the playoffs. That's what you're saying, is that Sean Payton coming in pretty much alone because the, the upgrades to the roster are not that significant. Um, and we've already had one very significant downgrade of the roster in the loss of Tim Patrick, which we'll talk about later in the show, just how important that is. Um, that's very significant. So what you're saying is Sean Payton alone is worth six or seven wins. And I said, that's not fair to DMAC. So now I was having fun with him. I retweeted you know, the tweet that came out from DenverSports.com. When should we start win- worrying? One of our fans honking as they drive by. We love them. When... Should we start worrying that that Russell Wilson looks like he's having a fairly terrible camp? And I said, enough of the fear-mongering. Right? I'm having fun with DMAC. You know, we're, we're fear-mongering. But, you know, there's some truth to it. Because, again, as is often the case, I have to be the voice of reason on this one. And now, do, do we feel good about the fact that Russell Wilson's coming out here and struggling in camp? No. We absolutely do not feel good about that, but it is training camp. Now, I will say this. This may just be a byproduct of the new rules in the CBA where the players traded comfort um, and way of life for money, right? They weren't going to get the money, but they got a more comfortable schedule. So I don't know that we're going to see the dog days of summer in these training camps, right? But I can tell you that the days that I've been out here uh, observing practice, they have not been overly tough. So I don't know if Sean Payton can do a big hardcore practice. But they um, they were shockingly soft um, the days that I have been out here. You know, we're talking half or three-quarter speed special team practice f- dominating more than half of the practice. Um, other relatively, you know, uh, you know, lacking intensity, even though they're doing some scrimmaging, right? So, for for all this talk about how oh the you know the glamping the glamp of you know Coach Hackett being gone, um, that's not what I've seen. I've seen it being substantially similar. You know, other than you know because I was talking to Chad Brown about it, and he said no, 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 no. You know, uh, you, you know Coach Hackett did not run seven on sevens, and that's very important. Okay, well, outside of that, it's substantially the same. You know, there is. You know, not a lot of barking and, uh, you know, intensity and the coaches, you know, having, you know, just this, this, you know, rabid dog mentality. I'm telling you, that's not out there right now. It's a very nice, pleasant training camp. And maybe the CBA says you can't do that. But all I heard from all the reporting during OTAs was, oh, no, this is going to be uh, this is not going to be soft. This is going to be intense and it's going to be completely different. And you heard that from Coach Payton, Sean Payton himself. What? Two weeks ago, we're going to do the exact opposite. Well, from what I saw with my own eyes, it has not been the exact opposite. Now, maybe they're not allowed to. The rules preclude that. But so because of this, I am not putting very much stock, and I am going to give this team the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give Russell Wilson the benefit of the doubt because you know what? I think in today's day and age, other than maybe – the next level coaches that are and, and when I say next level I'm talking from a scheming standpoint that are just you know maybe like a uh, a McVeigh 
a Kyle Shanahan, a Bill Belichick, those guys that are doing it from a mastermind perspective, which I don't necessarily put Sean Payton um, in that in that book. I put Sean Payton more, and he's doing it in a more of a operational culture um, perspective. Like he's going to win because he's got everything clicking, uh, not necessarily because he's you know the X's and O's. Um, that's going to be a part of it. Um, but he's more managing the pieces on the chessboard as opposed to, you know, his playbook is going to, you know, win games like a Kyle Shanahan or, uh, you know, McVeigh or whatever. Um, so I think the, this Broncos team under Sean Payton is going to have to have live bullets in a real setting in real games. I think having the starters, you know, play in preseason is going to give us a better gauge over these new, probably CBA-mandated soft training camps, to be honest with you. Um, so the preseason, I think, is going to be more important in the fact that we're going to see live bullets, uh, the the starters playing. I think preseason is going to give us a better look. But to be honest with you, we can't really make fair judgments until probably week three, week four into the regular season. All right, so you want to be involved in the program as we do with you every week. Here's how you do it. The Ramos Law doc, uh, the Ramos Law text line 303-713-1043. You get involved that way, or you can follow me on Twitter at Dan T. Jacobs Law. That's at Dan T. Jacobs Law. As always, if you come with something clever, something funny, something passionate, even if you want to come at me, we'll make you famous. We'll read your stuff right here on these very airwaves. All right, coming up next, the lovely and talented. You love him, and then you love him some more. The editor, the big boss of DenverSports.com, James Merlat, coming up next. From the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Reacting to today's practice. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built Ford Tough. Here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. We're here live from Training Camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone. Thanks to our friends at Con Construction, commercial general contractors specializing in tenant improvement and design build projects for over three decades. That's Con, K A H N Construction.com. We welcome into the program James Merlin. How are you, James? I'm good, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. It was good to see you this week. Yeah, we had, a, we had a fun time hanging out watching practice. Wasn't that cool? We're uh, we're out there on the hill, and we 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 had a fan of ours out there. That was nice. I think it was more of a fan of yours, but I appreciate you putting me in the group here. Well, no, he, you know, we, so we were there. What was it? Was his name Derek? Ah, uh, boy, I don't. I think I his name recall. was Derek. Um, you know, if not, apologies to the. But you know, we hear him, uh, and he says, "Yeah, I heard. I heard on the Dan Jacobs show talking about the shade because it was hot." Yeah. And I yeah. said, hey, that's me. And he says, oh, man, I love the show. And I said, this is James Merillat. And he goes, oh, man, I love listening to you guys argue on Saturdays. Or he <laughs> says, I love your segments. Uh, maybe maybe didn't say argue. So, yeah, he, he liked both of us. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's fair. But it was pretty funny because you were talking about how they need to be able to put shade. Essentially, you were doing the same rant you did the previous Saturday. 
Yes. And he just turns around and says, hey, I heard that on the Dan Jacobs show this weekend. I'm like, yeah, well, this is Dan Jacobs. You're getting the live version of it here once again on the Hill. It was it was funny. It was a funny moment. Yeah, but, well, the way you're setting it up now, though, is acting like you didn't, you weren't in 100% agreement with me because you got you tucked tail and run right up to that tent about 15 minutes later, did you not? Uh, I did, no doubt. Uh, you know, I've sat on that hill multiple days, Dan. I'm uh, I'm a little over the the, the sun, and my uh, my nose is starting to show that hey, it's time to find more shade. So you agree with me that the technology does exist, and it probably would not break Broncos' seventy billion dollar ownership to find a fix for it. Yeah, no, it's doable. I, I just think you know it would be temporary because they're going to do something much more grandiose than that. So it'll be interesting to see what. Uh, what comes of it, whether they do it on the hill there or is it an entirely new facility somewhere out by a new stadium, you know, similar to what the uh, the Cowboys have with the Star down in Frisco where that's their training facility and they use it for all sorts of other things. I mean, you can uh, you can turn that into more than uh, than certainly what the Broncos have. So don't expect that investment at this point because it would be uh, it would be short lived. Well, it's interesting because uh, DMAC, I think, has done. I said, DMAC, I can't believe you flip flopped on this. DMAC now thinks. So, after years, and I always gave DMAC credit on this, of saying that the stadium right now is not a great spot because there's not much around it. He now believes that the, the ownership is going to. Well, first off, he has this weird, weird theory. Um, that because they're from California, you know, Menlo Park, that the Broncos ownership is not in this for the long haul and that they're just going to make a quick buck and get out. Um, but they're also not going to build these, you know, the go out by the airport or wherever and build a city upon itself with the practice facilities and all that, that they're more likely to just uh, go the cheap route and uh, build it up, you know, develop whatever they can around the current stadium, you know, obviously raise the current stadium, you know, you know, bulldoze it and um, just kind of develop what they can around there. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, the location, I guess, to some extent doesn't really matter. It's what is the finished product, right? So, you know, could you modify the existing stadium and and then develop south of it? You know, you've seen we've seen the renderings where the, the parking lot that's south of the stadium all the way past Colfax turns into a multi-use development there's residential there's commercial there's all sorts of stuff elevated colfax kind of runs right through the middle of it like it's pretty cool and if you redid the stadium i think it has to have a roof because you want to be able to attract the super bowl big time college football games the final four all the rest of that stuff if you can do that on the current footprint fine i got no issue with it i i mean i think there is no spot in denver that is worse in terms of traffic than that corner right by the stadium you drive by there right now i i guarantee you you're slowing down to 10 miles an hour. It doesn't matter. So I think that makes it a bit of a nightmare. But if, as long as you can make it to where, hey, this is a, a stadium that can be used for more than just Broncos games and a few concerts, and that the area around it can turn into something that 365 days a year is drawing people into it, okay, fine. That, that's great. So if you can figure out how to do that there, super. Go across the street or across I-25 uh, to the development that they're going to do when they finally bulldoze Elitches, e- fine. Or if you need you know, more land and you got to do it out somewhere on C-470, I'm fine with that, too. I don't really care where it is. I'm more concerned about what it is. And I don't want to just continue to put lipstick on a pig here when you've got a stadium that is the uh, – the, uh, basically it's what uh, the, the new Comiskey Park is in baseball – that's what Empower Field is in football. It's the last stadium built before they finally started making them cool. Just time to admit the mistake that they made when they when they built that place 
and uh, and start fresh. So what do you want? You want um, you know, you want uh, the big uh, city upon itself, right? You want the yeah the condos, the Walmart, the you know McGregor Square on steroids. Exactly. That's exactly what I want. And and I want it to be something that, you know, in terms of a stadium, what the Raiders have, where the Chargers play, it's not their stadium, but where the Chargers play, what the Cowboys have, what the Falcons have, you know, the new modern uh, stadiums in the NFL that are just at the next level, that's what it needs to be in Denver. And that, that place, when it was in Vesco Field at the time it opened, it was nice, but there was nobody who said, wow, I got to. I got to go to Denver and, and and see Pat's world. I just I got to I got to be a part of that. I got to experience it. It just was never that. So it, it's time to you know wow everybody. That's what you need to do. You need to the Broncos need to build a facility that takes stadiums and the community around the stadium to the next level, and everybody starts copying them. That should be the bar. Yeah. Um, so it's funny we're, when we were at camp or hanging out, and now you're a big important guy. You're very, you, you know, you're the the head of DenverSports.com. You're a mover. You're a shaker. Uh, so you had to step away for a moment, and you came back about ten minutes later, and you said, "Well, what did I miss? I was I was away <laughs> making money." And I said, "Well, Tim Patrick just went down. Um, that's pretty important." And as it turns out, unfortunately, um, you know, he's he's done for the season. Um, Huge impact. Your thoughts on Tim Patrick going down and uh, how it impacts the rest of their season? Yeah, I think the Broncos made a mistake last year when Tim Patrick went down <laughs> and they didn't think they needed to replace him with bringing in someone new and thought, hey, you know, we've got young players that'll step up and fill that void and we've got plenty of guys and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are ready to be the starters. And then, you know, you get to like week 14 and Russell Wilson's out there trying to throw to Kendall Hinton, Brandon Johnson and Freddie Swain. And it just was a disaster. And here they are in the exact same situation. And so far, they're following the exact same plan. So they learned nothing from their mistake a year ago. I think people who talk about Tim Patrick not being a big loss, it's hysterical to me because they also used that as an excuse last year of like, well, here's why the offense sputtered. I mean, you know, when you lose Tim Patrick in, in training camp, that really is a setback. Okay, fine. I'll buy that. I think that's true. But then you can't say this year that it's not a big deal and that the Broncos don't need to go get somebody. And little Jordan Humphreys or Brandon Johnson or, or you know, Marquez Callaway or one of these other guys who's, who's never done it in their career is going to step up and be that third guy. I think they need to go out and bring somebody in who you know can do it at, at this level, not somebody you hope can do it at this level. I think that is a, a grave mistake. And they have to they, they only have to look back. 365 days ago to see oh yeah that's a mistake like it's the exact same situation and here they go down the exact same path i just want to bang my head against the desk it, mm-hmm. it's it's flabbergasting to me who can they go get well there's all sorts of veterans out there jarvis landry's available julio jones is available um you know i wrote a column at or a story at denversports.com that listed uh, the top guys that are out there so there's a bunch all the way down to you know, former CSU star Richard Higgins, who you could go get and bring in. And look, if you bring them in and the players you already have on the roster are better, fine. Then you feel better about that. But essentially, they're talking themselves into how good their group is. There's a group that has one Pro Bowl, and it was Cortland Sutton in 2019 before he tore up his knee. It is one of the most underachieving groups in the league, and they're one injury away. And I hear Zach Bai say this all the time, and he's right. Either one injury away to Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy from having the worst receiving unit 
in room in the entire league. They, they just are. And so, you know, we, we, we continue to fool ourselves that Kendall Hinton is a nice story, but that means he's a, he's a capable NFL receiver week in and week out. He's just not. And it's just is, it, it is Groundhog Day with how they overvalue the players they have at their position. Maybe Jerry Judy steps up and finally lives up to his potential. Maybe Cortland Sutton returns to his pre-ACL form. Maybe Brandon Johnson or uh, Marvin Mims, which raise your hand if you've noticed Marvin Mims once at training camp yet. Talk about a second-round pick who's made zero noise. You know, maybe some of these guys uh, take the, to the next step, but... Are three of them going to do it? Four of them going to do it? I mean, to some extent, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton have to do it, let alone somebody who's going to uh, step up and fill the uh, the void left by Tim Patrick. So I, I just think that is a big, big gamble, and I think it is one of many things that worked against Russell Wilson a year ago. And you're setting you're setting him up for failure again if that's the group you're going to trot him out there with. By the way, I'm looking at your Twitter. Was it painful when you're talking about how great Nick Nick Benito is? I was talking about last segment how you know Nick Benito can't do well, otherwise it you know shoots down your Von Miller trade theory. I'd love to be wrong. <clears throat> I would love to be wrong. We'll see if Nick Benito can do it in a game when he's not going against Cam Fleming. But he's been great during <laughs> training camp. He's in the backfield constantly. But you know, at this point, what they've gotten for Von Miller is you know Nick Benito and Luke Wattenberg. So okay. I mean, if, if that's what you think you should get for the, be- the best defensive player in the history of the franchise, <laughs> Nick Benito has to do more than uh, have a couple of good practices against an offensive line who can't block anyone at this point during camp. But does he look like he's ready to make the leap? Sure. So far, so good. But, you know, the, the, the anointment of guys, because they have a couple of moments in, in camp, and the, oh, we're just going to pile on a guy, Russell Wilson, because there's a couple of moments in camp. It's like there's just so few reps. It, it, it is such a limited, small sample size. Let's see what they all do on Friday night against the Cardinals. Okay, if, if Nick Benito is constantly in the backfield, not that that means he's going to be a star, but okay, now I'll start to buy into it. If Russell Wilson in the offense goes out there and goes three and out, and it's a mess, okay, then I'll start to worry I think right now we're getting glimpses, and you need to look for signs, but I think it's way too early to make any sort of determination, positive or negative. So, I sound, well, it sounds like we're somewhat in agreement on um, how much stock we actually put into this. I've been a little bit underwhelmed by this training camp, um, but I'm also being the voice of reason. and I want, I'm actually saying I'm really – so we're in week three or four of the regular season. I'm not willing to really make any judgments on just, you know, kind of this team. I'm not like James Merrillat, who after a week one loss um, is, you know, making bold proclamations last year about this team and ends up buying me breakfast burritos. I want to give Sean Payton at least, uh, you know, some sample size. I'm not, so I'm not putting much stock into this training camp. Sounds like you aren't either. No, I mean, it, listen, uh, r- raise your hand if you remember the last time you were wowed by training camp. I mean, I- every year we go through this exact same r- routine with training camp and with preseason games. We're all excited about it. And then you go down like, eh, what am I really getting here? And then you're all excited for the first preseason game. We're going to get a quarter into it on, on Friday. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the regular season. Like, you just don't learn a ton every year. We, we talk about all these guys that are shining at camp. 
and then when it's cut down day and they cut down to, to 53, the guys who played the best supposedly in, in the preseason games and looked the best down in training camp are on that list of guys who got cut. It just happens over and over and over again, which tells us you know, how more and more meaningless some of this is. It's especially so with the new CBA. The, the, the number of reps that they get. I mean, I, I was there yesterday, and I made it a, a conscious effort from the moment he walked out of the locker room until the moment he walked in, I was charting nothing but what Russell Wilson did. And, yeah, he's off throwing footballs into a net, and, you know, they're, they're doing some of those kind of drills. But essentially, in terms of, like, 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11, 11 11, he ran, like, 20 plays in an entire practice. I mean, he runs the same amount of plays as Stidham and Danucci. I, I just, which slays me. I don't understand why that's the case. Why your 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 ones when this offense has been so bad gets a third of the reps during training camp when reps are limited. Um, but it really is hard to glean too much out of it. We don't know what the what the script is for that day. We don't know necessarily what they're trying to accomplish. So uh, you know, I, I think it was funny. I wasn't particularly impressed yesterday, but the consensus from all the folks who all gather and, you know, come up with their group think was, hey, the Broncos offense was better today. Based on what? I mean, the fact that they, you know, tried to do a, hey, we're down six, minute 48, need to march the length of the field and get a score, and they went false start, false start, three-yard completion, pick six. That was a that was a better offensive showing. So I, I just think, you know, it becomes a little bit of confirmation bias. You see what you want to see. I think the offense has certainly not been dazzling, but I don't I don't really recall a training camp when it was. And maybe that's because they've had such a bad offense for so long. It's hard to think back that far, but training camp uh, should be taken with a grain of salt. I'll put it that way. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with you on the reps, but it almost sounds like you are questioning the methods and operations of Sean Payton as a coach and the way he's running his practices. I'm questioning why the – first team offense is getting a third of the reps yeah well, well he directs that i know that seems silly to me what are you that doing you're questioning sean payton how dare you <laughs> hey he can go out and prove me wrong and i think we all should have questioned well i shouldn't say we all because the the former players on our station questioned it at the time but we all should have questioned nathaniel hackett's methods more last year it doesn't mean i'm a sean payton hater it doesn't mean i'm calling for his head if you, if you don't agree with 100% of what somebody does or somebody says, that doesn't mean you're not a fan of his and you're not rooting for him. I just think that's weird. I, I would like to see Russell Wilson, especially when they're not particularly firing on all cylinders, to get more reps. But do I trust that he knows what he's doing? Of course I do. That doesn't mean I can't scratch my head at it. I'm like, why in the world is Ben DiNucci getting so many reps? If, if the Ben DiNucci reps ever come into play this year, it is an unmitigated disaster, is it not? Uh, yeah, I would agree. Right. So what are we doing here? Uh, I, I don't take issue with that. I just, I don't know. You're, danger- you're getting into dangerous territory there. I mean, he's a very paranoid <laughs> guy. Dangerous? He's he's a very paranoid guy, and I, I would I would tread lightly if you're going to be criticizing Mr. Payton. He, he doesn't like that. He's very distrustful well, of the media, and you could get in trouble. He and I see eye to eye because for a long time, at least for months now, when people have been talking about Russell Wilson and, you know, hey, he had his office in the building. And I said, hey, 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 wait a minute. If there's a, a kid that's misbehaving, I don't blame the kid. I blame the parent. That's on ownership and on George Payton and on Nathaniel Hackett. 
And in his rant to Jarrett Bell of USA Today, what did Sean Payton say? He blamed it on the parents. He was he was blaming it on exactly the same people I was. So Sean Payton and I see uh, see eye to eye. I think he listens to the Dan Jacobs show and goes, "Hey, you know what? That's a good point. I'm going to roll with that." Right. Hey, last thing for you. Now, nobody's a bigger CU fan than you. That's correct. Um, and so it's interesting to me. It, I, it's kind of funny, you know, all this you know, smack talk and all these coaches directing uh, stuff um, at CU. The one coach saying, I think it was the Oregon coach saying, you know, what has CU ever, CU ever you know, done to, you know, one, to, you know, be causing any sort of turmoil, uh, turmoil anywhere? But it turns out they were the final death blow to the Pac-12 conference, it looks like. Your thoughts on that? Well, I'm saddened by the fact that the Pac-12 went away. I was excited when CU went there. I thought it was a fun conference to be a part of. I think those are schools that are cool to be associated with, and you can look at the schedule and think, hey, do I want to go up to Seattle for a game or to L.A. or to Phoenix and all the rest of that? The fact that the Pac-12 couldn't make it work and they couldn't find four schools to, to join into it and become essentially the, the – there's going to be three – 16 team conferences that are going to be the powers. There's one that's going to be the Big Ten. There's one that's going to be the SEC. And then the Pac-12 had the best advantage to be the one that's essentially west of the Mississippi. How they blew that and how they squandered that hand is beyond me. The Big 12, meanwhile, despite the defections of eventually Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Missouri, Nebraska, Colorado, is still alive. Like, uh, how that has happened is amazing to me. And the Pac-12 just blew it. They blew it. So it, it's a shame. Colorado found a, a place to, to land, which is good. You don't want to be on the outside you know, looking in. When the music stops, you want to make sure you have a chair. So good for them. Am I excited about being a part of a conference that is a hodgepodge of you know, West Virginia and UCF and Houston? And, no, I'm not. I thought the Pac-12 made a lot more sense. But college, college sports is just a complete and utter mess. It is. We, we, you know, you couldn't walk down – any street in Denver and get anybody who could name half the schools that are in the Big 12 anymore. Um, so that's a little bit laughable. And as far as the Oregon coach, dude, what does he want? Right? Hey, come on. I mean, if you want to talk trash in your, I don't know, if you're Nick Saban, okay, fine. But if you're a guy who hasn't won anything, you're going to talk about Colorado not winning anything? I, come on, I roll my eyes. And look, he's not wrong. But it just seems a little bit weird. It's not like, you know, that guy's just running out of mantle space at his house for all the trophies he's brought to the Ducks. I mean, that was a little bit laughable. Yeah, isn't it funny, like, how all these coaches are just coming out of the woodwork to try and get a piece of Coach Prime? That's jealousy, right? <laughs> like, it, it, they didn't have the cajones or weren't empowered to do what he did. The best one, and I don't even know the guy's name off the top of my head. I'm blanking on it. But the new coach at Oklahoma yeah, being critical of, of prime. It's like, dude, you inherited a program that's constantly in the preseason top 25, if not the top 10, from Lincoln Riley, right? And you don't have to come in and clean house when you've got a bunch of four- and five-star recruits that are sitting there. He didn't inherit a team that was 1-11 last year, and that only win came in overtime against Cal. Like, to, to be critical of the way – Coach Prime has done it. What do you want him to do? You want him to act like it's 1985 and he's going to try and go from one and eleven to three and nine, and then hopefully five and seven. Like that's just not the way it works anymore. So again, a guy who inherits, uh, you know, it's the proverbial guy who got born on third base. That's what the, that's what it is when you become the new head coach at Oklahoma. You weren't taking over a, the worst program, arguably 
the worst program in college football, if you if you are and you're Coach Prime and that's what you're inheriting, if you do anything but clean house and blow it up, you're making a grave mistake. So I find all of it comical. I hope uh, beyond all hope, and you know this is the CU fan in me as well, but also just kind of to shut these guys up, I hope Prime goes out and, and uh, improves them all wrong. That will be hysterical. All right, James Marillat from DenverSports.com. You're the best. Thanks for joining us. All right, Dan. Appreciate it. Have a good all right. weekend. All right. We're live here from training camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone. Thanks to our friends from the Randy Ross Training Center. You want to react to James? We'll get to your thoughts coming up next. from the denversports.com zone across from training camp 2023 thanks to con construction and ting internet reacting to today's practice powered by the ford f-150 lightning all electric and built for tough here's the honorable judge dan jacobs she hears only whispers of some quiet conversation yeah what is this toto africa you know, it was actually one year ago i think last week i was actually in Africa, building a smoker in a little African village. That was one year ago. It keeps coming up on my uh, Facebook. I like this text. Dan, I disagree with everything you say in the next hour. Just trying to get ahead of the curve. (laughs) I like that. Um... You guys are out of your minds. The stadium is still, for all intents and purposes, new. The Broncos Stadium should be good for another 50 years. The taxpayers have paid enough for sports stadiums. You can take your new stadium and stuff it. Well, it's not new uh, in terms of stadiums. I mean, it's very old. And as far as utility for the team, it doesn't serve its purpose. Now, the big argument is, where I do agree with you is, Texter, and thank you for texting in the RamosLaw.com text line 303-713-1043 is taxpayers should not be funding the new stadium or they should be funding very little of it because the ownership will be reaping tremendous rewards from it. The reason the taxpayers had to pay for the previous stadium was Pat Bolin just simply couldn't afford it. The team did not have the assets or resources to pay for the new stadium. And they needed to compete um, financially with, you know, the, in the new landscape of the NFL at the time. They needed a stadium to be, you know, to to bring in the resources, um, the revenue at the time. Um, you got to remember, Tom Naylor would tell stories on, on this, this station about having to, when they were winning Super Bowl, Super Bowls, to defer salary, defer paychecks till the end of the season. Like, this team has tremendous, uh, traditionally been cash poor. And a new stadium will allow them to maximize the, the new owners, almost $5 billion, with a B, dollar investment. But they have the resources and the assets to do that themselves, just like Stan Kroenke did in L.A. when he built SoFi. I don't think it's unfair for to have an expectation that the new, uh, the Walter, uh, the, the Penner Walton Group fund their own stadium. Now, are they going to get some? They're going to, what they're going to do is they're going to go to different, I don't want to say municipalities, but different 
because uh, it's going to be counties, right? It's not going to be local towns. It's going to be counties. They're going to go to different counties and say, all right, give us your best deal on what you're going to give us in terms of, um, t- you know, tax breaks and roads and infrastructure and stuff like that if we place our, you know, stadium here. So um, it could be Arapahoe County. It could be Adams County. Those would be likely, you know, fits for if they go, you know, out near the airport. Uh, could be, you know, conceivably could be Douglas County. Conceivably could be Jeffco, right? And they could say, all right, we've identified property that we could conceivably place this new mega complex. What are you going to give us to make it an attractive situation for us if we build our stadium here? So they're, you know, taxpayers one way or another, yes, they're going to be involved in giving them a tax you know, benefit, but it wouldn't necessarily be, all right, well, we're going to fund this to the tune of it's going to be a ballot measure or a ballot initiative. It may not be something like that. Maybe it is. Maybe it is you know, a ballot initiative. Hey, we're going to fund this in the form of, you know, X, and it's, you know, going to be go towards, you know, mutually beneficial things like roads and, you know, power lines and, you know, infrastructure type stuff that'll be mutually beneficial. Um, but it shouldn't be, hey, we're going to pay, you know, for the brick and mortar, you know, this, you know, so to speak, you know, for the building of the stadium, but it'll be for other things. Um, but so that's, you know, that's a fair point that, you know, we shouldn't be paying for that but we'll be paying for other things because we're going to benefit um somebody else does, you know along those same lines on the ramoslaw.com text line says give me a field with seats who cares about anything else i don't go to a single event that isn't a broncos game who cares a football in a dome sucks well you guys uh certainly have a right to your perspective i think a lot of us enjoy going uh i mean you know me personally i like having a good experience um, I don't like being jammed into, and, and it's, this is not the experience you have at Empower Field, right? Um, you know, being jammed in. Now, the parking isn't necessarily great, um, but I like having more of a, a luxury-type experience, more of a uh, um, a fan-friendly experience when I go to a place. So um, I, I was, I actually booked um, <clears throat> a trip. I wanted to go see the new Las Vegas, you know, the new uh, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So I, and, you know, I'm a, a recovering Dolphins fan, so I booked a, a a trip to go see that to see the Dolphins versus the uh, Raiders a couple years back. Unfortunately, I caught COVID the day I was supposed. I had actually checked into my flights online and I caught COVID, so I wasn't allowed to check that out. Hopefully, one day I do want to go back and check that stadium out. It'll probably you know do it for a Broncos um, a Raiders game, but you know I do want a more of a uh, upscale experience when I go to a game. Maybe I'm a little bit different. I'm getting a little softer in my old age, so to speak. Um, All right, so coming up next, we should be right along the time that Sean Payton addresses the media post-practice. Of course, we are out here at um, Training Camp 2023 on the air thanks to Ting Internet. If you live in Centennial, make Ting your Lightspeed Internet provider for as low as $89 a month. Go to ting.com slash centennial for more information. Coming up next, we do hope to hear from Broncos head coach Sean Payton post-practice.